Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Tell me you're an investigator. More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. Not a taint. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. That's very satisfying. That's fun. <laughs> Welcome to Ale with Angel, everybody. I'm Josh. And I'm Rex. And holy monkey fucking Jesus balls on an ice cream waffle cake. That was graphic. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so it took some doing, guys, but we finally fucking got here. <laughs> We had to navigate some hurdles. Yeah, no shit. An entire, oh, man. an entire set of obstacle courses just laid out specifically for us. But but first, today on Ale with Angel, <laughs> we'll be reviewing Season 1, Episode 11, entitled Somnambulist. Which, by the way, means sleepwalking. Let's yes. just get that out of the way, because I was like, ooh, <laughs> it's such a mysterious title. <laughs> what could they possibly mean by that? Well, it's pretty fucking self-explanatory, turns out. Yeah. Yeah. So, listeners, you may not notice this because we had a really good backlog, but we haven't recorded in over a month. Yeah. Uh, I caught COVID. My cat died. Yeah. But we did get Trump the fuck out of the White House. Yes. Enough, anyway. He's still stamping and whining like a little (laughs) bitch. Um, So, I didn't want to get too political here. So, fun fact, my dad is, he's not really a Republican Republican, but he is kind of a Republican. He's a more conservative sort. He voted for Trump in the first election. He did not vote for him this election, but I've never seen him go more anti-Trump before just this behavior from Trump. Because this childish bullshit behavior is the exact thing that my dad needed to truly hate the guy. From 80 to negative <laughs> 5,000 yeah. in... Because if there's anything my dad doesn't like, it's whiners. Right? <laughs> yeah, he strikes me as the type. I appreciate that about him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this episode of Ale with Angel coming at you from Rex's new shoebox. <laughs> It's slightly bigger than a shoebox. We've had so many different recording (laughs) locations, you guys. I don't even know where to start. It's been a hell of a year. (laughs) Uh, But yep, my new place. We're back recording with Edgar, our senior executive producer. (laughs) Yes. I figured Uh, he needed a title. He'll probably make an appearance at some point. Oh yeah, he'll yell at me for something. Right now he's (laughs) tripping balls. Yep. High as fuck, taking a wee nap. But it doesn't take long before he realizes that we're talking to each other and not paying attention to him. Yes. And you'll get to say hi to Edgar. So today on Ale with Angel, we're drinking ginger beer. Specifically, Bundaberg. Bundaberg. (laughs) It is an Australian ginger beer. He exclaimed with great relish. (laughs) 
No, this was, uh, I'm a huge fan of ginger beer. It's one of my favorite beverages. And this was recommended by Adam Savage, who I am a big fan of. And it hasn't come up yet because uh, we haven't recorded in a while, but I've kind of quit drinking for a bit. Yeah, we're old and we're tired (laughs) and (laughs) the goat, (laughs) he speaks like a man. I'm so tired. I'm so tired all of the time. It's just one of my favorite little comic memes ever. Just for mostly for my health, I was with COVID stress and everything. I was drinking a bit too much and I decided I needed to cut back. And it's easier for me to do that by, you know, abstaining for a little while. And I'll probably start drinking again in the new year. We're still drinking something called beer and something called ale. Absolutely. And, and don't don't worry, guys. I'm bringing it up in the <laughs> rear over here with some holiday nog with some shitty brandy in it. Yeah. And it's called the Christian Brothers. Uh, fuck your false god. <laughs> Only Keanu, damn it. <laughs> Only Keanu. <laughs> Reeves be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Anyway, on to on to well, first we important need, things. Y- yeah, uh, let me real quick give you a big old list of our executive producers, of which we have a couple of noobs, Janella Lindauer, whom I went to high school with. Welcome to the executive producer list. How are you enjoying the VIP room? It's pretty swanky, is it not? <laughs> also, Simo Pinti, who appears to be European. We've got Euros in our in our Patreon. Yeah, we, we actually interacted with her in the Facebook group. Who put those Euros in my Patreon? <laughs> who? 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 Oh, God. Is the... That's a thing, right? I don't know what the kids are saying these days. <laughs> Get on with the list. Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, K. Fronome, Father DeFinistrato, Alexandria Ware von Brunt, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathic, Jesse Rain, another noob. Where the hell did you come from, and why are you so far down on the list? I don't know. And last but not least, Carrie Phillips, our very first and still remaining Patreon supporter. Um, and I do want to say, the fact that you are all supporting us is a big fucking deal, because we were going to record last night, and we couldn't record last night, because... Our audio interface our died. Dual, our dual channel audio interface box thingy, yeah. Bob. What you uh, call the it? The thing we hook to the computer that makes us our noise noise work. Our doodle schlager. <laughs> uh, it died, which you know we'd been using it used for several years, and uh, we needed to buy a new one. And those things aren't cheap. I have a list on Facebook of all the neatest words that happen to mean whatchamacallit, and I knew it was going to come in handy somewhere, somehow. <laughs> Thingamajig. Jingadera. Himstergims. Nani nani. I like that one. Zamazingo. Dingsbums. <laughs> Hubbledepup. They're all my favorite. You just got to work to incorporate them into your vocabulary yeah. now. So that, but you know, microphones and stuff. Yes. Uh, but we would not have been able to manage buying this in, in short notice without the help of these wonderful patrons. So thank you very much, especially today. You literally make this show possible. Y'all's doing your jobs, keeping us going. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. I, uh, <laughs> so uh, did you want to read one of our uh, new iTunes reviews? 
I forgot we got new iTunes reviews. Yeah, we got a couple of new iTunes reviews. We're going to spread out the love over a couple episodes, though. So just one at a time for a while. Speaking of more reviews, uh, it has been brought to our attention that there are plenty of other places that can review. We have gotten a message from a fan who reviewed us on a platform that I never heard of before. Uh, One of those other platforms. Yeah. And uh, we have no way of tracking those reviews. So if you have reviewed us on one of those alternative places that are not iTunes, give us a a notification about it because we would like to read your review. Yeah, send us a screenshot and or a link because we'd love to see reviews. The review I'm going to read today is by Brainer888. Aha. Title is The Big Bad is Back. So Brainer888 says... I love these guys. The show went dark during the lockdown. I thought the dream was over. Now I'm caught up and really enjoying the Ale with Angel content. The show is similar to other nostalgic rewatch shows like The Greatest Generation or Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Rex and Josh do a great job of talking you through each episode without getting slow or boring. If you're familiar with the Buffyverse, you don't even need to watch the show because they explain the scenes and the context so well. And they will call out bad behavior when they see it. Looking at you, nice guy Xander. Seriously, though. I just wanted to say, uh, being compared to the greatest generation gives me all the warm fuzzies. Because that is the entire inspiration of why I wanted to do a podcast. Oh, we completely ripped off their (laughs) format, by the way. Yeah. And we don't care if they know it. No. Do you happen to know the the episode number of their show where we actually had our ad aired? No. Well, if you're an avid listener of The Greatest Generation, you probably heard our ad at some point in time. I stopped paying attention to that. Maybe that's why you're listening to our podcast right now. Hmm. You should go through and check that. Probably not, remember. though. Yeah. So, next on the list, it's that time for River Crystal Sam's Messages. But it's not River Crystal Sam. No. Oh, no, 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 no. It is someone who decided to leave a very reasonably sized message <laughs> that we are going to play real quick. This is Father Defenestrato, one of our patrons. Welcome to the show for the first time. Yeah, here's his message. Beep! Boys, Defenestrato here. Uh, I wanted to thank you, first of all, for using the word defenestrate a lot in the most recent episode. And second of all, regarding whether there's a precursor to Cordelia's I think it, I say it. Uh, I'm not sure this is what you were going after, but one of my most favoriteest Cordelia lines is in Season 2, Episode 18 of Buffy Killed by Death, where Giles says... Cordelia, have you ever actually heard of tact? And Cordelia replies, Tact is just saying not true stuff. I'll pass. So, so much more to say, but I have to run. Someone's trying to eat my brain. Bye. For some reason, it did not occur to me that Defenestrato was Defenestrate. Really? Like, I... <laughs> sometimes I'm dense. <laughs> so, <laughs> only sometimes. But, uh, defenestrate is my favorite word. Mm-hmm. Followed up only by verisimilitude. <laughs> the third place is masticate. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there it is. You are by proxy Rex's favorite person. No, but you are my favorite word. <laughs> Tomato potato. 
as far as uh, the Cordy line that you read, uh, I think we actually like listed that as a quote of the day on that episode. I'm pretty well. We uh, had to have. like it. It feels too familiar to have not. That <laughs> that's definitely very similar to the one we were talking about on the episode. Yeah. But I feel like there was another one that was even more similar. But eh. Who knows? I'm so I much, am not a Buffy scholar. So much shit to sift through. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Well, somebody's got time for that. It's not us. <laughs> no, it is not us. Thank you for cutting it off with telling us that someone's trying to eat your brain. I hope you're either playing a zombie game or having the best sex of your life. I hope you're having fun banging that praying mantis because I think it's about done with you there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> either that or someone's role playing. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway that's a really weird place to take that really i mean it's a little weird but i'll let you be the judge <laughs> you're not the judge of me yes i am you, you judge me constantly <laughs> that, i guess that literally makes you the judge of me that's called friendship Damn. <laughs> well on to the show uh we got to get a parental synopsis out of the way out of the way, huh? Yes. So it's in the way. Yes. And you just want to... Joshua! <laughs> what are you doing, Joshua? Trying to find my real dad? What the fuck? What What the fuck is that supposed to mean? It means I'm going to eat you and it will be both sweet and savory. Just like my sister. That's it. You're grounded. How many times have I told you not to eat your sister? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> wait, what? None. Are are you confusing me with your other family again, Dad? How dare you insult my authority in my house, you little shit? Well, mortal sperm donor, I dare, <laughs> because the abandonment of my sire has affected me far greater than your neglect and half-baked abuse ever could. You've been watching too much TV. It's all that damn angel, isn't it? I know, right? He's so broody. It's almost like he's so broody that he's still got a little bit of that and jealous inside of him. Because in today's episode, he has to come to terms with the actions of Angelus coming back to haunt him in the form of his old fledgling named Penn. Penn is running around L.A. feeding on a series of victims that are causing Angel to have hauntingly pleasurable dreams. Unfortunately, they're not just dreams. Detective Lockley is on the case, and Angel has some suspiciously accurate and helpful information to go along with it. Angel follows her to a warehouse to finish off Penn, but he gets away, and Angel's secret is outed to Kate. Kate's none too happy with the revelation and shuts Angel out of her life after boning up on some vampire history. Then Penn kidnaps her ass right out of the police station, but Angel is hot on their trail where the final showdown sends Penn to his bedroom to think about what he's done. <laughs> Permanently. <laughs> Which perhaps rebuilds some trust between Kate and Angel. Also, Cordelia is a great friend. The end. If I'm not your real dad, maybe you should just start paying rent. Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> Who's your daddy? Angel is. Angel is my daddy. Why I oughta whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <sighs> You're not my real dad. 
gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Cold open, woman running under an overpass. What do you call under an overpass? Um, being homeless. <laughs> That's if you're living under an overpass. Okay. She's not living under one, she's running under one. No, uh, woman is running and she gets caught by, strangely enough, Angel. This is very confusing at yeah, first. Yeah, well, you know, we didn't know it was him right away, but they didn't have long before yeah. their wad just could no longer be held. By its enormousness. No, and uh, and he's got this creepy finger cap thingy that he's using to scratch a cross into her cheek. I knew way too many goths in high school that wore that shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> I blame I blame Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, probably. So he eats her dead, and we get this top down shot, and I'm like, that looks suspiciously a lot like Angel's hair. Guess what? It is, because we cut to Angel's vamped out face. Yeah, oh, uh, he must be evil again, but... Uh, no, it's just a dream. No. It's he... all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite trope, Rex. Yes. So, um, hard cut to Angel waking up at home as if it's a bad dream. Yep. Cut back to the overpass. I wrote down underpass for some reason. Anyway, now it's a crime scene where Detective Lockley is inspecting the body and she sees the cross scratched into the girl's face and we clearly see bite marks, puncture wounds, if you will, on her neck. And she definitely did. Oh, yeah. Very, very dead. Very dead. And Kate's like, it's the same guy. This makes three. He's just getting started. Dun, dun, dun. Opening credits. Slap the shit out of you. <laughs> Start slapping. God damn it, fucking quit. Okay. Anyway, cut to Angel Investigations, where Cordy is given the hard sell to a chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's practicing. Which, you know, that is shit you have to practice. You you don't just deliver that kind of thing to somebody without practice you're absolutely right first i i have a th i want to vote <laughs> i want us to make predictions here um but also i think it's hilarious because i had the idea for this obviously while i was taking notes and my prediction was i think it's sleepwalking i bet he's sleepwalking and i thought i was so fucking clever <laughs> i had not yet looked up the meaning i of somnambulist <laughs> i already knew what somnambulist meant so it was not a surprise to me in the least <laughs> cool 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 anyway yeah as you were saying uh, it, it was pretty cheesy even for cordelia doing the hard sell of the empty chair i i think she did pretty well though she did okay she was going for the dick tracy effect She's like, so you've noticed things are dark. Darker than a three-day-old pot of coffee, but less satisfying. You've <laughs> got a feeling somewhere deep down you're none too happy to see me, and it's sure as shit not a banana. So 
Why are you here? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. It's because you're scared and desperate and alone. And you knew you shouldn't have eaten that moldy cheese last night, but you did it anyway. You spent the night telling yourself those cold sweats were just fear. Fear of danger. Fear of death. Fear of sulfurous gases filling up your lactose intolerant <laughs> latrine. So you came to me. Well, I knew you'd be here. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But someday, your stink was destined to stink up my stink. And here it is. And boy, does it stink. <laughs> Uh. No, anyway, she's given the hard sell to the chair, and Wesley shows up. He thinks he's, he's still hilarious. Try- yeah, well, and he's still trying to come off like a badass, and it's like, Wesley, no one thinks you're a badass. Well, at the very least, he's trying to impress her with his big words. Right? I'm like, oh, shut up. Uh, he's brought in her- their mail, and he wants to compare notes. I th- I thought it was funny. She's like... Nobody likes a smart-ass rogue demon hunter. And I'm like, au contraire. <laughs> I disagree. Which, okay, those f- two phrases probably mean the same thing. That's not the point here. The point is, I'm totally fine with smart-ass rogue demon hunters. Keep it up, Wes. Yes. Smart-assery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also apparently lying and gaslighting and stamping your feet like a big baby. No names mentioned. <laughs> Wesley wants to compare notes, but he has no notes. <laughs> She's like, what's the skinny? And he's like, well, everything seems quiet. <laughs> you really thought that through, <laughs> didn't you, Wes? God, he's, he's fucking like, now see here, Cordelia, a lone wolf such as myself still needs social interaction occasionally, so if you don't mind, I'll be fleecing you of your energy under the guise of shop talk, of which I have none. but he also brings her mail like a helpful dog yeah uh but it is not her mail (laughs) and she's like oh good boy now go you're mangy it cracked me up that it took her so long of going through the mail before she's like this isn't our mail (laughs) right (laughs) wesley is surprised by the front page and he stops talking and Cordy's like oh is something wrong you've stopped yammering (laughs) And uh, he gets a very serious look on his face. Yeah, just a bit more somber all of a sudden, and he fucks off. Angel comes in, and Wesley suddenly realizes that he doesn't work here, and he must go. (laughs) (laughs) I must away. Yes. And so he aways, and Angel is, let's say, crotchety. (laughs) Well, um, yeah. (laughs) Well, Cordy's like, what's with the bags, Mr. 200-year-old? And I'm like, if you were 200 years old, you'd have bags under your eyes, too. Well, but there were no bags. No, no. He's too pretty. They could have tried a little harder a to make him little harder. look... A little harder. Like, he definitely doesn't look quite as put together as normal. He was acting the groggy, but yeah, exactly. he was too young and healthy to look the groggy. Yeah, uh, but... One of my quotes of the day, what she says here, she goes, Wow, you look half dead. Which, for someone who's completely dead, would be kind of neat. Pretty impressive, <laughs> frankly. Well, that's just neat. neat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I love that line. Yeah, yeah, it'll never get old. But yeah, Angel is super cranky. I like the word cantankerous for this, especially. Did somebody use the word cantankerous, or did you just come up with it? It's just another one of my favorite words. Oh, certainly. It does, in fact, apply. 
Anyway, Cordy asks Angel about a plate that she was going to run, and he's like, well, I remember that you were going to follow up on it, and I'm like, yeesh, <laughs> snappy. Um, but she's like, well, I need you to go run it through your police lady, because I don't really have any way to follow up on plates here with my late 90s Windows 95 or 3.0 fucking <laughs> computer and a dial-up connection. She's not Willow, No, for fuck's sake. She's not. Um... And he's like, fine, I'll go do it right now. Steps out the front door. (laughs) Ah! He's so out of it, he just fucking walks out into the sun. Yeah. Oh, that could have ended badly. (laughs) I'm fine. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, I'll take the tunnels. And I'm like, aha. That's the old writers just being like, all right, we need to shut people up about this. What's he doing traipsing around during the daytime thing? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you do. Good call. So so Cordy goes and closes the door that he left wide open. Yeah. We're not heating the outdoors, Angel. <laughs> and we're not cooling it either. Yeah. If anything, they're in L.A. This is this is well air conditioned. Definitely a cooling situation. You're right. Um, but anyway, so we see Wesley sneakity snake his way down the hallway. Yeah, he was eavesdropping. Yeah. That's uh, a little extra on the rogue demon hunter there, Wesley. What a slippery little wanker. (laughs) I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina. And I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm going to share my feelings. And from here we cut to the police station. Yeah, Kate agrees to go against protocol to give private information to a civilian. I really liked this little bit here where she's like, you know I can't give this sort of information to a civilian if it was anyone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But since I like you, because that is how the law works. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I cannot do this, but I do it for you. And he's like, yeah, I know. Because look how goddamn Broody, these biceps are. <laughs> She's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's kind. That's of, exactly why she's doing this. She's, like she's so drooling oh, yeah. over him in this scene. She's like, now, I mean, I don't know how much you think this whole brooding thing is working for you. A lot, by the way. No, that's later. Oh, okay. That's another scene. But <laughs> they do a really good job of. Subtly showing that she finds him exceptionally attractive. Right. Well, she's not blind. No, because he's a very pretty man. (laughs) Yes. And he's not blind. She's a very pretty woman. Yes. She's also a very handsome woman. Uh, But she's happy to run the plates, mostly because she just wants to get her head out of the case that she's on. And uh, it's a doozy. (laughs) Watch out for that first step. (laughs) Because it's a doozy. Oh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Sorry, um, Angel recognizes the photos, and he gets this kind of look on his face of "Oh shit!" Yeah. So we learn that the case she's working on has three victims: some old guy, a fourteen-year-old schoolgirl, and a twenty-five-year-old waitress. So they're seemingly all completely unconnected, except they have this cross scratched into their face. And so Kate gets a folder of crime scene photos with impeccable timing. Quote of the day here. Kate says, 
Thanks. Look, why don't you stop by tomorrow? By then I'll have invaded a citizen's right to privacy for you, and you can... And he cuts her off, move on with the scene. But I love that she gets cut off in the very middle of self-deprecatingly admitting to being kind of a terrible cop as a favor <laughs> to a friend. Right. It's like, by then I will have in invaded a private citizen's right to privacy <laughs> just yeah. to help you and perhaps further our sex life. Perhaps. <laughs> yes? Looking for some feedback here. <laughs> Anyone? No? No. A Angel definitely recognizes <laughs> the photos uh, because they're his dreams. He gets some flashy flashies. Yeah. Yeah, because he recognizes it from his dreams. And he pulls the old vanish on her. But not really. <laughs> He's just walking away suddenly and she sees him walking well, away. Well, she but. gets called away to the briefing and she turns around and sees a very distinctly angel-shaped cloud where he was standing. Me, <laughs> 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 me. <Meep, meep. laughs> Cut over to the briefing where uh, Kate... Uh, Kate proves that she's really good at her job. Yeah, she pretty much <laughs> describes angel to a T and yeah. somehow does not have an epiphany as she's telling all of these cops that this killer's psychological profile and MO is what it is. But she's describing exactly Angel. Oh, yes. I don't even, like, watch the episode. She's a good cop. Yeah. She's, well, okay, maybe she's not a good cop. Maybe she's a bad cop, but she's a good investigator. Right. <laughs> I mean, I... She's breaking laws left and right, so she might not be a good cop. <laughs> anybody that can put together this kind of a psychological profile that accurately is definitely a fantastic cop or investigator, detective, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But I feel like it's just meta writing. It's like, we're just going to describe Angel and moving along. <laughs> uh, back to Angel Investigations, the office where Cordelia is getting ready to leave for the day. Uh-huh. And Wesley runs into Cordy at the doorway as he's sneaking, hard air yeah. quotes, <laughs> in with a wooden stake. Uh, he tries to explain to her that he thinks Angel is evil again because that... Newspaper clipping he saw reminded him of the research he did on Angel back in Sunnydale. And uh, after he spells it out for her, Cordelia is very much not amused nope. with any wild accusations against her bestest buddy Angel, who is most definitely not killing people down in alleyways. Yes. Right? That's tough. No, he wouldn't do that. I. He wouldn't. He would never do that. <laughs> He just, he's our hero, goddammit. <laughs> so she goes, okay, you get to leave now. You're not going to come in here and accuse Angel like this. I don't care how many files you have on all the horrible things that he did back in the powdered wig days. He's good now. He's my friend. And nothing you or anyone else can say will make me turn on a friend. Cordelia. He's right. You stake him, I'll cut off his head. And just like that, <laughs> man, that girl can turn on a dime. She really can. <laughs> I love it. It's it's lovely. It's it's part of why she's such a lovable character. Oh, yeah. She's, oh, yeah. I was going to say, she's feisty. <laughs> she is. I like feisty. I feel like that's a little bit sexist, though. She's got Maybe. some big, salty bitch balls. She's got chutzpah. Sure. <laughs> I like chutzpah. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, Angel overheard the whole conversation. Yeah. Not terribly covert of Wesley to divulge all of this to Cordelia on Angel's own fucking property. Right. 
Like, he could have grabbed her on his way out and been like, hey, I'll walk with you or whatever, and then fill her in. But no, I think I'll just blab my big tactless face off about it right here without confirming that Angel isn't actually here. <laughs> he couldn't possibly be here in his home. That could never happen. <laughs> and so first thing, Wes points his cross at Angel, who's like, bitch, please. And Wesley's like, why should we believe you? To which Angel replies, with having him in a chokehold in 0.37 seconds. Yes. And because this is how fast I could take you if I wanted to. And I think he wet himself both out of fear and sexual pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I've never encountered anybody wetting themselves out of sexual pleasure. And I I don't think I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Cordelia's over there like, clean up. I'll you. (laughs) Wesley's like, that never happens to me, baby. I swear. My favorite part, though, is like, holy shit. Angel might have learned something from previous episodes because he doesn't hide anything. And he immediately outs himself to them. Hey, that's character growth. (laughs) We like character growth here at Ale with Angel. Yeah, and he explains that he's having these murder dreams. and Not Cord- nightmares, mind yeah, you. Well, Cordy's like, oh, well, they're just nightmares. And he's like, but they aren't nightmares. I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And this oddly hits home for me. Oh, dear. Because I have anger dreams sometimes because <laughs> of my mental disorder, which involves an anger issue. There's sometimes I have the dreams that are kind of like anxiety dreams, but revolve around anger. And in certain ways, while I do not like having them, they can be quite satisfying sometimes in a weird, uncomfortable way. So I kind of really understand where Angel's coming from on this. I'm going to go ahead and skip forward to the end of the episode just to quote Cordy real quick here. You know, might be okay if you'd never said that out loud ever again. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. That'll never change. (laughs) Wesley actually quickly jumps to the conclusion that maybe Angel is sleepwalking. Or, you know, sleep murdering. (laughs) Damn it. I had come up with a ridiculously offensive phrase to use instead of tomato potato. Uh Clitoris clitoris. <gasps> yes! Thank you for remembering that. <laughs> clitoris clitoris. Clitoris clitoris. It's all the same <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh oh shit. <laughs> I really hope you don't make that a thing. Was that offensive enough for all of you? <laughs> Give us a call at 269 743 0783. Where telling Josh that he's being highly inappropriate will not help, except for to make him more inappropriate. Yeah, I was only just reminded that there were too many chicken noises, and I realized there's not enough chicken noises. Nicole. So. Anyway, cut over to Angel's bedroom. Yeah. Where... Cordelia and Wesley are tightening Angel's bed shackles. Uh, Cordy unshackles Angel's throbbing member from his pants, grabs Wesley by the shirt collar, and as she's sensually combing her fingers down his arm and sliding her tongue up the side of his neck, she cuffs him to the bedpost in one fluid motion. 
I think we were watching different shows. Oh shit! I'm. I started writing fan fiction again. <laughs> Where were we? I got a little um, caught up in the inevitable alternative <laughs> dimension of Whedonverse porn that this scene obviously lends the, itself to. The alternative reasoning behind having bed shackles. <laughs> We know he had them there for a reason, and this wasn't it. <laughs> no. Okay. They came up with those a little too quick. Yeah. So, <laughs> quote of the day, Angel says, Cordelia, I think that's tight enough. Cordelia says, and if it turns out that we're back on the liquid lunch, better safe than cocktails. <laughs> Lo- love that one. Oh, and it the scene ends with a good line, too, because they're... They get them all chained up and everything. And Cordy's like, well, I'm going to go home. I'm not (laughs) going to sit here. She's like, sleep tight and turns to leave. And Angel's like, well, that's pretty much a given. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go anywhere now. (laughs) Better safe than cocktails. (laughs) Cut over to dreamy time. Yeah, where Angel dreams of the olden days. Old-timey Angel bites up an old-timey lady on the street. Well, we back up and we see Angel, and he's like, There now, isn't that better? <laughs> a daily, daily That's pretty much the whole dream. And then we cut back to Cordy running in, wielding a newspaper, loudly proclaiming that Angel is in the clear because there's been another murder. Hey, guys, good news! Murder happened. Murder happened. (laughs) And he's like, nope, nope, it was me. I did it. A person needs certain designer things. You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's friend's brains. Hey, you're a vampire. So we cut back to old timey time again. And this is where they reveal that Angel had a protege back in the old time. Yeah, it's a little baby Jeremy Renner. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really recognize him at all, but I didn't till we see him later in not old timey makeup. Yeah. And Um, because he has such a baby face. Holy shit. And you said he's the guy that plays Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, Yeah, that's neat. That's crazy. So yeah, and it turns out he is Angel's um, fledgling. Spawn. Um, Spawn, sure. Well, because Angel is his sire. Damn it, they don't really use a word for the reverse of sire. Uh, I'm fine with fledgling or Spawn. Yeah. I like Spawn. Spawn Spawn feels more fits. like he came out of a cocoon. But it also feels more demonic. Yeah, I'll give it that. But anyway, so he's just killed his sister, this girl in the bonnet from the old timey time. And now Angelus recommends the rest of his family next. Yes. (laughs) And Penn's like, it's strange. She was my sister. Angelus is like, and yet you feel nothing. (laughs) Because they've all got terrible Irish accents. And uh, (laughs) Angel's his basic point he's trying to get across here. He's like, but savor it because family blood is always the sweetest. So... I'm thinking, like, I don't know, fucking maybe wait a little while? (laughs) I mean, you just had a whole sister, okay? (laughs) At least wait until the next holiday. (laughs) Take them down one at a time in five-year increments or something. Right. Spread it out. Until the one that you hate the most is the last one standing. 
Don't just Kool-Aid man in there and blow your load all in one shot like a fucking noob. <laughs> Destroy your family systematically. <laughs> Please. This is what I want as a viewer. <laughs> Christ. We come out of the, the flashback and cut to modern day. I never got this dude's name. What is this dude's name? Pen. Pen. I just wrote Bropire. Because <laughs> he looks like such a bro. He has the little fucking goatee thing. Oh, yeah. wispy thing on his chin. And he has that faux hawk thing going on with his hair that's way too much gel. It was very fight clubby. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a bro. He's a bro-pire. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Those bro-pires are dangerous, man. So <laughs> Way scarier than vampires. Extremely. He's going to put your fucking credit card debt back to zero. <laughs> but he's going to fertilize your lawn with motor oil in the meantime. <laughs> he's going to have a good time doing it. So uh, we see modern day Penn pinning up all the newspaper articles of his killings. Because he's a fucking narcissist. Well, he's a vampire, so I think they all are. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and so there's our bad guy. Didn't need any suspense or any kind of actually fun supernatural explanation yeah. for Angel being responsible for the killings or anything. Like, I don't know, astral projection. Right. You know, that would have been cool. That would have been neat. No, it's just Angel being a fucking martyr over shit he did when he was evil again. Right. He never does that. I do like the little added bit here that he's having these dreams just because he sired this vampire and there's just this deeper connection because of it. Uh-huh. I'm a little annoyed that Angel didn't put it together before this. Like he when he started having the dreams, it probably should have been like, "Man, one of the vampires that I sired must be around." Right? You'd <laughs> think this wouldn't be the first time this has happened to him. Yeah. After all, didn't he sire both Spike and Drusilla? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. And we never had him having weird dreams with them. Not once that I can think of. Anyway. Damn con story consistency. We've torn enough <laughs> holes in that space-time continuum, I think. Angel decides that he wants to go tell Kate. Obviously, Wesley and Cordy think that that's a bad idea. It'll just get her in trouble. But Angel gets this brilliant idea of, by pointing Kate at him, that she will do the job of finding him. It's kind of not a terrible idea. I mean, it's reckless endangerment of Kate. Yeah. But, you know, but when she's... it comes down to it, she's a cop. She's armed. While, yeah, this is something that is way out of her pay grade. Yeah. She's still somebody who signed up to put their lives on the line. She's an adult woman who makes her own damn choices. Exactly. And she's going to put herself in danger reg in the situation regardless. Exactly. So and... why not use it to their advantage? So I, kind of, I enjoyed a couple of spots in this scene. I kind of had a quote of the day here. It's the exchange between Wesley and Cordelia. As they're discussing Penn and his serial killer tactics, uh, Wesley says, 200 years of practice. I imagine he has it down by now. Cordy says, no lie. Gallagher's changed his act more often than this dude <laughs> in the last two centuries. Why do you think he's still doing the same old shtick? <laughs> Wesley responds, well, I mean, it's a classic, isn't it? Every time he smashes that watermelon with a sledgehammer, I just... <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's subversion. <laughs> it was it was actually really good because I even had a moment where it's like, Wesley, what are you talking about? What the fuck? <laughs> Still on Gallagher. <laughs> Keep up with the class, but there we go. No, I thought that was funny. So that's one of my quotes of the day. Fun fact. 
I really don't understand why Gallagher is entertaining to people. I was never that big of a fan, honestly. I think he was before our time. He was more of yeah, a 70s, a bit, 80s yeah. kind of guy. And he was something different, you know? I suppose. At the time. <laughs> Anything else on the scene? Yeah, I kind of wanted your thoughts on um, one of the next lines where Wesley says to Angel, in regards to telling Kate about Penn, he says, And you're not going to tell her? Think about it. You can't walk into a police precinct with intimate knowledge about these murders and claim a 200-year-old Puritan is responsible. You'd be locked up faster than Lady Hamilton's virtue. Takes a pause, looks over at Cordelia. My apologies. She's like, I don't know what that meant <laughs> <laughs> i liked her response because i also don't know i what that also meant. did not know what that meant i googled it google did not know what that meant <laughs> the closest i could find here was the phrase locked up like lady hamilton's virtue is an ironic reference to the fact that about the only way to assure lady hamilton's virtue would involve locks and such so it was such a deep reference that the world may never wow. know. Yeah. Unless you're like a serious history buff. Or maybe it's a British thing. Oh, possibly. We have British listeners. If you happen to know what the fuck this means. Anybody who has any insight into yeah. this, I'm really curious. Same. Give same. us a call at 269-743-0783. Or you can also email us, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. That is correct. Cut on over to the Popo Police Department. Yeah, where Kate has violated the civil liberties of a citizen. <laughs> Feels so violated. <laughs> but she notices right away when she sees Angel that something is wrong. And out of the gate, quote of the day here. Are you okay? Not that the brooding man of mystery thing isn't working for you. I mean, it is. A lot. Oh, very much so. <laughs> Angel. It's it's working so hard for you. Oh my god. This line was so perfect. <laughs> it was so fucking perfect. I loved it. Yeah, he's like in fucking extra broody mode here too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just I really enjoy her physical acting with this line mm -hmm. because like her pause and everything, like she really is like and it is a lot. I'm just and so she's she is so into him. I'm so surprised <laughs> that when he's like, I'd like to talk in private, that she doesn't just like slip and fall right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> clean up I'll you <laughs> So He has to be so unfazed by that kind of thing, it'll probably happen to him all the time. He probably doesn't even understand that that's what's going on. Just, man, women fall over all the time near me. It's I don't, weird. I don't get it. Like, am I leaking? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Kate and Angel go into another room to talk yeah. in private. Of Turns course. Out it's the investigation room. Yeah, of course. It happens to be the room with all the pictures of Penn's victims. Yep. And Angel goes all flashy-backy and discerns rather quickly that Penn is reliving his past with Angel through all of his victim choices. Yeah. And he immediately turns to Kate and he's like, hey, look, do you trust me? I have information for you. <laughs> he, and Yeah, he pins up this sketch of Penn, holds out his hand to Kate, and he's like, do you trust me? 
I can show you the lawsuit. <laughs> no, but really. Um... <laughs> we don't fuck with Disney. <laughs> Handy thing that Angel can draw, you know? First off. I was wondering if he drew that himself. Yeah, well, there's setup for this. Like, it's shown in previous episodes that he can draw. Okay. And it just, it pleases me that it's a thing that has come in handy on a number of occasions because he can draw. Not yeah. that the picture of the that particular guy is going to work because he doesn't look anything like that anymore. He looks more like a pro. Yeah, the hair makes a big difference. But it really does. Yeah, I was like, man, when the hell did he find time to fucking run off and find a sketch artist? But okay, that makes more sense that he drew it himself. Yeah. Yeah. So he gives her a fairly specific, but still not nearly specific enough description of Penn's next likely victim. An adolescent white male near a bar or liquor store in a low-rent neighborhood in L.A. Adolescents outside of liquor stores. I mean... I guess that's good enough. Maybe? I don't know, man. It wasn't like he was definitely going to be out there. We're just looking for a random one that happens to be out there. Yeah. It's like not nobody knows if they're actually going to find somebody by this description. But lo and behold. Yeah. They do. It's really a question of you have to ask how many low rent neighborhoods are there in L.A.? Yeah, we don't really know L.A. all that well, so I I wouldn't mind if some, somebody from L.A. wants to chime in and be like, no, that's actually very likely. They'd find that in five seconds. Right? Yeah. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem likely to me. No, it really doesn't. So all the while throughout this scene, uh, Kate's fiddling with her cross pendant necklace thingy. And uh, gee, I think that might come back around before this episode's over. Chekhov's gun. Don't show a, a gun on the mantle unless it's going to be used later in the show. That's one thing that they taught us in theater school was don't put shit in your set that doesn't get used or have something to do with the story. Exactly. Don't have her playing with the cross if that's not important to the story. Don't have her wearing a cross if it's not important to the story. Yeah, and it, it's helpful to show that she has it before it comes into play later. And because even, then it doesn't feel jarring in any way. Exactly. And even if we'd only seen her wearing the cross, it's forgivable if it doesn't come up later. But sure as shit, don't you dare have her front and center playing with it while Angel is talking. Yeah. And like she had to like dig down into her shirt to pull it out. Do you remember that how awkward that was? Yeah. But it makes so much sense to me because, like, it's obvious this particular set of murders is really fucking getting to her. I c oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. And the, the religious iconography of the crimes would definitely make a religious person more likely to, you know, focus on that in their own life. And that makes sense to me. It does. Yeah. So yeah, he gives he gives her the, the lowdown on how she's going to stop this murderer, and then he skedaddles. I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. Protecting young women such as yourself? Oh, yeah, there's been uh, four. And three of them are very much alive. Cut to the parking garage. 
Angel and Wesley are going to follow her using Angel's stolen police radio that Wesley is very <laughs> uncomfortable with the hotness factor of. <laughs> I just like where Wesley's like, where did you get this? And he's like, from a police car. <laughs> oh, dear. My question is, though, how long has he been in L.A. and he he just now thought, hey, maybe I'll steal a police radio? That'd come <laughs> in handy a lot. Right. And also, Wesley's like, I'm a rogue demon hunter. Who doesn't want to break the law. But not rogue <laughs> enough to steal a radio. Yeah. Okay. Cut quickly again over to adolescent white male in a low-rent neighborhood outside a liquor store. Yes. Begging for beer. Not necessarily begging so much as just trying to get somebody of age to buy it for him. I never did this when I was younger. Me I always had older friends. <laughs> <laughs> One time, me and my brother um, tried to get some woman to buy us tickets for an R-rated movie. How'd that work out? Uh, not well. <laughs> well, kind of well, because it's a funny story now. Because, like, we were super little, and my mom just dropped us off at the theater. <laughs> like, my brother was maybe 14, and that would mean I was, like, 10 or something. Right. And we asked this lady who's like, oh, my God, of course I'll buy you tickets. What movie did you want to see? Okay. <laughs> and we give her our money. And, and I think she was even like, oh, keep your money. I'll buy you the tickets. And she goes over there and we're like down the hallway watching <laughs> with bated breath. <laughs> like, is this happening? This is totally happening. And we can see the conversation playing out. We didn't need to hear anything. Like, she's all happy and like, yeah, yeah, I'm buying these tickets for this guy over there. And then the smile suddenly goes very far off of her face. <laughs> because, you know, we're stupid kids. That fucking clerk knew what we were up oh, to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were like, you know, that's an R-rated movie and they're not allowed to go see it by themselves. She came back and she chewed us out like a mom. <laughs> i was like you can't do that you're not my real you're mom you're not a real mom <laughs> fuck you lady <laughs> this is bullshit to be fair you tried to con her into buying new tickets so <laughs> do you happen to recall what movie it was no i don't <laughs> see I had family members that really didn't care about my well-being and uh <laughs> i would just have family members several different family members that would buy my brother and I tickets to shit like that right. without caring one whatsoever. My brother and I watched the Friday the 13th movies way too young. Mm -hmm. Way too young. And I honestly think that that's part of what's wrong with him. <laughs> right? That's Candyman for me. Oh, God. That one fucked with me when I was a kid. But also, my dad, like, whenever I went over to his house... He would just let us watch literally whatever we wanted. Specifically, I think knowing that our mom didn't want us to watch it was also a factor. <laughs> but we digress. Yes, so, yes, yes. some douchebag kid trying to get somebody to buy him beer. Enter Penn. The bro pyre appears. <laughs> <laughs> His goatee just steals the scene. Yep. He's nothing but goatee. And a couple of cops over on the corner spot the two of them talking they're like that looks like a pretty suspicious goatee over there <laughs> even though they're they're not even remotely close enough to really even gauge the age of the two people from they this, see yeah from this vantage point that they show us on camera you can't fucking see shit no over there and they're like hmm I, there's two guys we should go check it out 
I think that's this <laughs> sketch of this 1700s dude. Right. Like, if the hairstyle was remotely close to the same, then maybe, but no. Not even close. No. So, yeah, it's almost like someone hit the fucking improbability drive button. <laughs> or better yet, someone took a quick stroll <laughs> on down to the Plot Hole Emporium. Welcome to the Plot Hole Emporium. Short on time? Need a quick pick-me-up? How about you give a vague-ass description of something that could be happening in literally hundreds of different places throughout a city the size of L.A. and just bank on a couple rando beat cops dragging it down in short order. It's as neat and tidy as you can get for a low, low price of your dignity. <laughs> Follow us down this hole. It's where you'll find your plots. <laughs> Those taglines are getting good. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, the cops immediately roll up on them right as Bropire is going to kill the guy. Penn leads him down an alleyway, starts necking on him, and he's like, hey, don't do that. What are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> but you're drinking my blood. I need that. Can you yeah, get... that belongs in me. Stop it. Stop it. No. No. <laughs> I just got this image of a vampire like on someone's neck and they're just slapping them. No, stop. Stop. Hey. Don't. Hey. Don't. don't. It's like the dream episode. Yeah. With Giles and uh, what's her name? Um, oh, Harmony. God. No, stop that. Stop that, Harmony. Stop. The Ropire decides that he, this meal officially costs too much and he decides he's going to run. And then he. Do I want to call it he undefenestrates himself or he fenestrates himself? <laughs> Does he refenestrate? What it like? What would you call this? He goes from the ground and jumps through the second story window. I think I, I think I like fenestrates. <laughs> yeah, he fenestrates himself. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's very minimalist. Yeah, it's like we like, don't need to add words to that. <laughs> Like, defenestrate is, you know, subtractive. Yeah. Well, because to defenestrate is to... To exit through the second story window. To fenestrate is to enter through the second story It works for me. I like it. Yeah. You, know, you, you get what we're saying here. You're picking up on him laying down. But also, like, it's a hell of a jump. Right. Like, that's a that's a kind of a prowess we don't often see from vampires in this show and it was not lost on the cops oh no they were not. impressed they were like well fuck us this is out of my pay grade <laughs> well pretty much your entire job's out of your pay grade frankly yeah no shit so angel and west get the backup call they're there in very short order as the boy is being wheeled away to an ambulance yeah, Kate's got that building locked down tight. Very quickly, yeah. So I liked that this at least accounted for some passage of time that they already had him yeah. being wheeled into an ambulance because it's like, oh, they got there in like 30 seconds after he jumped into the building. No, it would take about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, they they don't often do that well in this show. This time they really did that well. Yeah. It worked. Speaking of things that they actually pulled off well in this show, they did not blow their load on the suspense because up until the moment that he has the flashback dream, any other episode, I would have expected them to show in the very beginning that Angel was having dreams from some other vampire, but they actually had some level of suspense build up from that. Yeah. There was a moment in the beginning where I'm like, holy shit, is Angel actually killing people in his sleep? Yeah. 
I wish they'd held on to it a little longer, personally. Yeah, it would have been a little better. But it's, if they held they're on getting to it, better yeah. about it, definitely. So the cops are very confident that they've sealed off all the entrances to this building that Penn literally flew into. Yes. And so we cut to inside the warehouse. Oh, before that, Angel Batman's the fuck up the side of the building next door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I think I can climb this drain pipe. Look, I can. I actually used to have a friend who could do shit like that. He was uh, the, one of the guys that I went urban exploring with a lot. And this dude was like goddamn Spider-Man. Neat. And I watched him clean it. I watched him climb a drain pipe like that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I watched him clean a drain pipe. <laughs> yes. Did he bring those little pipe cleaners with him? <laughs> Did you make some caterpillars out of egg no, cartons while no. you're at it? No. <laughs> I just like the term. He Batmans the fuck up the side of the building. I am Bat Spider-Man. Spider Batman. He's, he's Vampire Batman. I'm Vamp Spider Batman. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, please. <laughs> Can't I have just a little more? Judging by your uncomfortableness, I would say you're either about to ask me out on a date or you need a favor. Well, see, the thing about detectives is they have resumes and business licenses and last names. Pop stars and popes, those are the one-name guys. No! So, so inside... Kate is completely by herself, so which is definitely protocol. In the previous scene, when Kate was locking the place down, we saw like flashlight beams and shit up in the window. Okay, and so like there were other cops in the building, and she's like, "I'm going in." Did the other cops be like, "Okay, we'll leave"? <laughs> right. Like, oh, Kate's here. We can all go home now. <laughs> <laughs> that whole section of the building looks like it'll take a lot of time for us to search. Tell you what, we can make up for time if we split up. <laughs> That's not dangerous. No, not at all. Not from this guy who's murdered several people in your city. <laughs> and can leap through second story windows. <laughs> yeah. So Beware of those people who can fenestrate themselves, man. <laughs> Fenestrators. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> and I there's a joke in there somewhere, though. Yes. <laughs> Auto-fenestrators. Self-fenestrators. Master befenestrators. <laughs> if you can think of the joke in there, guys, give us a call at 269-743-0783. You can also text that number. You can, in fact. So, Kate finds Penn. Yeah, no suspense here whatsoever. It happens like that. Like that. And then she puts three bullets in him. Yeah, she's like, don't move. He keeps moving. She shoots. And she's like, here, have these slugs. <laughs> They're my gift to you. Right? I mean, it could have been any random asshat in that giant warehouse, but she was pretty sure it was him, so she was right, though. I mean, yeah, but, like, I'm sorry. There are very few circumstances where anybody points a gun at you and says, don't move, that you're going to keep moving. So I think if you're the person with the gun... And somebody is walking towards you and you've told them not to move and they keep moving, you're going to shoot them. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it doesn't matter who they are. If you're like, hey, don't move. And they keep moving. Something's fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and also never point a gun at somebody that you don't intend to shoot. Exactly. So she puts three bullets in him and then she walks up to check his pulse to see that he is dead. It's a trap. <laughs> I like his line here. He's just, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he hucks her across the room, 
And, you know, it seems like he'd have wanted to keep her close so he can eat her or something, but... Right. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. It gives Angel a perfect opportunity to gracefully fall through the ceiling and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Penn is actually kind of surprised to see Angel. Refers to him as Angelus, of course. Yes. Penn goes, we were to meet in Italy, remember? Angel says, I remember. He goes, well, I waited. Hell, I waited until the 19th century. What happened? I got held up in Romania. What's in Romania? gypsies <laughs> and the look on angel's face just it really does speak volumes of like those gypsies fucked him up i right i really did appreciate that exchange i would have liked to have heard the super short version which would have gone you're supposed to meet me in italy gypsies that's it that's all you needed <laughs> nothing else keep more mysteriousness there angel right uh, one word responses that's all you need Seriously, you're giving too much away. You're too pretty to use that many <laughs> words. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Jesus. During this exchange, we hear Kate in the background calling for backup. The bro pyre asks Angel, well, why are you here? And Angel's like, to kill you. Like <laughs> the badass that he is. Yeah, so Penn invites Angel to uh, drink Kate with him. And he's like, that's not why I'm here. And why are you here to kill you? Then they fight. Yeah, both the the major fight scenes in this episode are pretty fucking good. They're pretty decent. Kate does the intelligent thing at first and cowers in the fucking corner. While also <laughs> looking for a weapon, which, or maybe that's later. I think that's the second fight. Yeah. Wh whatever. The important part here is she sees Angel's face change and is a little put off. Yeah. But Penn fucks off after hucking Angel into Kate... And the scene ends with Kate staring harshly up at Angel's vampire face. And uh, the post-commercial break conversation goes something like, Are you a vampire? Oh, I think you know. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Say it ain't so. It's not possible. Oh, it's possible. <laughs> possible? You heard me. But... <laughs> But no, seriously, she pulls her gun on Angel, asking if he'll get up afterwards, too. He calls her out on uh, omitting certain details from the police report, such as puncture wounds and being drained of blood in regards to the victims. Yes. Um, and she's basically just like, la, 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 <laughs> mode as she tells, as he tells her it's going to take direct sunlight decapitation or a stake through the heart to kill Penn. And by proxy, also Angel yeah. himself. And then he dramatically grabs her cross pendant. There it is. They brought it back. Whee! Yeah. I'm still ever so slightly disappointed here because he grabs the pendant and lets her see the steam rise and she can hear the sizzling as he dramatically proclaims, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> this is that same level of badass intimidation of like a biker putting his cigarette out on his own arm or something. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think it was intimidation so much as this will fucking make you believe me. Right? Well, not just that, but really kind of setting in how fucking out of her league she really is. Yes, that. Absolutely. I was disappointed that he didn't show her the burn mark, but I think it was still effective. Yeah. The way it went down. I really, yeah, I would have liked to see the burn mark. It's, at cool. some point, like not necessarily right there and then in that second, but I would have liked her to have like grabbed his hand and 
examined it and been like, oh my God, or something at some point. I don't know. Cut to the police department. Where Kate is pulling all the cold case files with that same MO. Yep. And I, I thought at first that she was pulling... I was confused because like I didn't realize that Penn had been in L.A. before. Mm-hmm. And so like I, at first I was like, well, they're... What, she's just looking up old vampire murders then? You know, because if there's enough vampires, there would be enough of, like, people bitten in the neck and drained. But apparently she's pulling old case files of those exact kind of murders. Yeah, that makes sense now that she would have been looking up specifically puncture wounds, blood-drained cases. Yeah. But I thought she was just researching vampires. But, yeah, since she was researching case files, they're not going to call them fucking vampires. Exactly. Cut back to Angel Investigations. Well, where this time Cordy's not practicing her hard sell. There's actually somebody in the seats. And it's the bro-pire! Unfortunately, it's Penn. Oh boy. So he pumps her for information about Angel and Kate, and to Cordy's merit, she figures it out pretty quick. (laughs) He gets up and, and steps over to the window, and she sees his coat, and she's like, Is it cold out there? Right, and that that moment right there is when she's starting to put two and two together. And he's like mid-sentence, she's like explaining stuff about Kate and Angel, and she's like, and you're pumping me for information. Oh, dear. And he starts to say, you'll never make it outside before I... (laughs) Ah! She she... whips open the the blinds, and she's like, what, go up like a match? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, because all these dumbass vampires keep running around in broad fucking daylight. Oh, it's... And the fucking writers don't see anything wrong with that. Why would it be so hard to just have most of these scenes take place at night? Right? I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just too used to half the year being dark three quarters of the day anyway (laughs) because I live in Michigan. And it is not that way in LA. No. Yeah, not quite. Like, I wonder if they wrote these kinds of things into the script just because they had such a hard time lighting the set to be nighttime right. during the day. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're filming in LA. It would be very, unless they wanted to shoot everything on a fucking soundstage. Exactly. Everything would have to be on a soundstage. And honestly, with a show like this where you're going to have multiple different sets and shit. I wouldn't want to do it all on a soundstage. And they don't want to keep everybody up all night all the time. Yeah. No, I mean, they could have... Se- that makes a certain amount of sense. They really could have just turned this around and made it a primarily third shift shoot. I think that would have worked. But yeah. that's a lot of people's lives to turn upside yeah. down. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. I lived the third shift life for a couple of years. That was not fun. Yeah, I like being awake third <laughs> shift. I don't like working third shift. Well, like, I like being up late. But when I say I want to be up late, I mean, like, maybe I want to go to bed between 3 and 4 in the morning. Not go to bed at 7 to 8 a.m. Yeah, not when the sun comes yeah. up. Yeah, fuck that. So, there's still a place in this world for traditional research. Solitary soldier such as myself recognizes that a free exchange of intelligence benefits the common struggle. Also, I brought in your main newspaper. So Angel pops in just in time. <laughs> he walks in, he's like, Cordy, get me a steak. And she's like, Oh, come on, it's eight in the morning. 
hands. <laughs> really, Cordy? Yeah, steak and eggs. He's, Come on. He's giving you a breakfast order. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, it's Christ. And then enter Wesley. Oh, Wesley, Wesley, Wesley. Wes, Wes, Wes. One of my quotes of the day is he walks in, confidently strides into Angel Investigations saying, well, nothing on the streets about a new vampire in town. Penn grabs him, which is maybe because he's here and has me by the throat. <laughs> uh, Not too bad is, for a Wesley voice. I love that that's the second time that that's happened to him this episode. Right? Just this episode. <clears throat> it's becoming a, a trend. Yes. <laughs> so Penn's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be less boring now. I promise. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll believe it when we see it. Penn runs off with his coat. Pulling a spike maneuver. Can, can I just say it's really, really hard to have a threatening, scary bad guy when they run away like a child trying to keep the rain off their head? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can say that. Because it is really hard to have a scary bad guy when they run away with a coat over their head. Yeah. Like, it worked for Spike because he was in a desperate situation and we've fleshed out his character. Right, and it also, like, it was it was specifically played for a comedic note. A little but bit. This is, this is not a comedic note. Like, this is a, a dun-dun-dun dramatic note. I'm actually being evil. Yeah. And then runs away with his fucking coat over his head. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how it feels. It really did. <laughs> Um, the Foley, they had to go and stuff in some singeing sound effects for him to grab his coat because it was sitting in direct sunlight. Right. Way to leave your coat in direct sunlight, dipshit. Well, to be fair, he didn't realize that the blinds were so easy to open, apparently. Oh, yeah. The, the, he like, didn't put them in direct sunlight, the like, blinds. Okay. For fuck's sake, I'm going to attack somebody and they have all these windows they can open. Nothing could go wrong. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he's a tit. Um, <laughs> he is a tit. <laughs> except I don't want to suck on him nor see him naked. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need a moment. <sighs> okay. And then we get a montage. Gotta have a montage. Yes, the angel, the ancient high bookstore, broody angel walk, and pensive pen montage. Well, it, angels walking, and both Kate and Pen are like reading. Yep. Well, that's a that's a very boring montage. Well, Pen's just sitting there thinking and looking smarmy, and he's like looking down at something, and like I thought maybe he was reading, and I'm like, but you can't have. A montage of two people reading and one person walking. They either have to all be doing different things or all have to be doing the exact same thing. That's how montages work. But they made it happen. It nobody awkward. Nobody <laughs> said the montage worked, but it was nevertheless a montage. Yes. So cut back to Kate's apartment. Yeah. Which I didn't know that uh, Angel knew where she lived. Of course he does. He knows everything until yeah. he doesn't know something. Because they need to, you know, have at least five or ten more minutes of the episode. The short version of this scene is Kate tells him to fuck off. And when you get there, <laughs> fuck off again. Yes. Keep fucking off until you get back here. Kate's not having it. She does not want him to come in. No. She's like, oh, right? Because you're a vampire. And, and he's like, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, she thinks she can take Penn and Angel 
in a fight. And uh, yeah, specifically in a fight. And I'm just like, oh, honey, <laughs> you're good. You're not that good. No. But it is sad that you hate Angel now. Yeah. And it's like, hear him out. I like the whole time. I'm just like, dude, all you have to say is Gypsy Curse. Gypsy Curse. Wait, 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 wait. Gypsy Curse. Let me explain. But no. So she's not a fan of Angel anymore. And that just breaks my fucking heart. Can I just say, though, that again in this episode, it shows how really fucking good of an investigator she is because the amount of information that she basically researched overnight it's impressive staggering in fact yeah and like she pulls information about angelus where did she get information about angelus like the watchers didn't have a fuck ton of information about him the ancient eye bookstore yeah apparently (laughs) shit very fucking impressive he is the stuff of legends yeah. Turns yeah. out. But, but yeah, she just tells him to fuck right off. And he fucks off. Yeah. I'm afraid we're getting close to the end of Kate's tenure on this show, but I'm not entirely sure yet. But yeah, uh, I, I don't remember. I don't think she dies, but I feel like we don't get much more Kate after this. Which sucks. I really like her as a character. And yeah. I like I know she doesn't become a like a staple character, and that kind of bums me out. Yeah. 2020 was a bad year for us to start watching this show. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've dealt with enough shit this year. <laughs> and now we get to deal with all these losses. Yeah. Uh, then we go to the library, I guess, where they're looking up Penn's past L.A. escapades. Yeah, they're they're looking shit up on computers, so maybe they are in the library. I I thought they were at Angel Investigations. Doesn't matter. You know, thanks to Kate tipping off Angel that Penn's been in L.A. before, they realize that both in 1929 and 1963, Penn stayed at the same hotel, but it went by different names and management. Yep. And that hotel still exists. (laughs) So, good old predictable Penn. I like that when they cut to the, the hotel... There's another sign in front of the hotel that says under new management. Yeah. <laughs> so like this just this hotel just changes hands every few years. Right. Well, there's a few places like that even here in Kalamazoo where oh, yeah. just it's cursed. People can't fucking stay in business at these places like Rupert's. Right. It's <laughs> been so many different things since we've been alive. Yeah. Anyway, cut to the hotel. Wes and Angel are sharing a snifter of Kool-Aid with not nearly enough vodka in it to hide the fact that the beverages ingredients list is about as sophisticated and complicated as this episode's plot. (laughs) I love the bit that they like come in and Wesley comes in all quick and like trying to be a badass. He's like, oh, I invite you in. It's like. Angel's already inside the apartment, dude. There's there's like, no people that live here. Yeah. It doesn't apply. A, people don't live here. B, it's a hotel. Right? <laughs> oh, you know, that brings up an interesting question. If a person is staying in a hotel, does the welcome of a vampire rule wear off exactly at checkout time? I would think that it wouldn't count as a home. Because the idea, well, as he says, it has to be someone's home. They're living, a living person's home. Eh, so Just the, because it's a really short amount of time. Well, the whole lore of the mystical threshold is that a home is something special to people. The fact that it's their home lends it power. And that's what creates the mystical threshold that keeps bad things out. 
clitoris clitoris. <laughs> God. Uh, you're not going to make that a thing. Come on. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> and uh, so they find pictures of school buses on Penn's table, yep. indicating that his next target is going to be extremely two-dimensionally evil. Yes. But, but hey, as long as it's something different, that's all that matters, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, if you really think about it, not that it matters because it doesn't work out that way, but if Penn actually decided that he was going to do something different, Angel kind of screwed himself on that because he can't predict what Penn is going to do next. Whereas if he didn't goad Penn into doing something different, then it would be easier to just know what he's going to do next. Right. Yeah. Kind of. But it doesn't really end up mattering anyway. Right. Because he sees right through his thinly veiled plan to trick Angel. Yeah. It, it's too It's too out there to trick Angel. Yeah. Because it's like, oh no, he's going to go at, try to kill school children. How does he benefit from that? Yeah. Oh boy. To show how evil he is. Exactly. Cut to the police station where Kate is briefing the other cops on Penn and she's going to get him killed. Yeah. She's going to make him dead or arrested, but you can't make a vampire arrest. And she's specifically telling the entire police department, here's this guy named Angel. Yeah. And he's a private detective, even though he's not legally a private detective or a right. private investigator, I mean. But, eh. I mean, she could probably fix that. Yeah. No problem. Get him a license, whatever. So she's briefing this whole room of cops and Penn just saunters into this crowded room. No, he doesn't saunter in. He's already sitting there hanging out. I thought he, he, was like, sitting, he was sitting in a chair. I thought he came in from the hallway. No, he was sitting in the chair in the back. I'd have to go back and rewatch that. But that's neat. I like that. <laughs> what does he say? That doesn't look anything like me or, or that's a bad likeness or something like that. Something like that. I'm only confused about how he made it through the door with those gigantic balls. Because <laughs> this is ballsy, you guys. It, it really is. Holy shit. Like, this is really the only part about Penn that makes me like him as a villain. Well, it, to be fair, though, a vampire doesn't have a whole lot to worry about of a group of people with guns. Yeah, no, not really. Like, bullets, they're basically impervious. It sounds like yeah. it would still hurt like fuck, though. Yeah, I imagine. But they're not going to stake him. They're not going to decapitate him. Well, they might drag him into sunlight un yeah. unintentionally. <laughs> to a perp walk with him and he bursts into flames? That would confuse people. Whoops. <laughs> Someone get a broom. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be okay, buddy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have the right to remain silent <laughs> forever <laughs> no he starts throwing cops around and we actually get to see celerity it's a vampire power the super fast moving yeah. thing yeah that was pretty neat it's called celerity it's a, it's a vampire power that i did not realize is in this show huh i feel like they always implied it with Angel and Spike anyway. Yeah. Possibly with a few other of the bigger, badder vampires. This plus Penn jumping through the second story window are two aspects that they give this character where that like he feels like a vampire, not just a dude with bumpy shit on his forehead. Who drinks blood. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't know. He'll bite you. 
Yeah. Watch out. He's going to get you. <laughs> He's a snappy one. <sighs> anyway, he drags Kate out of the room and she doesn't manage to get her wooden stake, so she's fucked. I'm with Wolfram and Hart. Everybody should have a lawyer like this. Mr. Winters shall never be convicted of any crime. Ever. Should you continue to harass our client, we'll be forced to bring that in the light of day. I want that stricken from the record. In place I'm told it's not all that healthy for you. Down in the parking garage, Wes and Angel are on the scene. Angel pulls a bag off of his head because they're trying really hard <laughs> to make it plausible that he is out during the daytime. Well, he, he's in the back seat. The top is up on his car. He has a bag over his head. Yeah. And they get out from under the sunlight and they're in the parking garage. And Wesley's like, we're inside. And, he, you know, it works. This this actually works. Yeah. Better than him fucking driving himself. Yeah. Or, or him driving Doyle. Over to Cordelia's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> for a casual housewarming visit. Like, for fuck's sake, in the previous scene in the same parking garage, Angel was driving, and that doesn't make any fucking sense. Right? So anyway, Wesley is a little confused here, understandably. He says, I don't understand. What about the school children? Won't somebody think of the children? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, exactly. What about the school children? Why the fuck are you at the police station? But you know, they're getting to that. Well, so, all the police are fucking taking off. They're in a right state. And of course, Angel looks over immediately, sees the open manhole cover and knows, oh, he must have Kate. They must have gone in the sewer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this part is kind of where I realized I was like, Angel is definitely seen through Penn's bullshit. Because when he s said in the previous scene, oh, he's finally changing his act, he didn't mean, oh, good, he's targeting school children now. He meant, <laughs> he's actually trying to trick me. That's cute. Isn't that cute? Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel sees the state of alarm that the police station is in Yep. Uh, and quickly discerns that Penn must be here. He runs and jumps down that manhole cover that's very conveniently yeah. right outside of the car as soon as he jumps out. Did no other police see them enter the sewer then? Do no. they not have closed circuit cameras? I don't understand why that one cop was like, stop, stop right there, and then just runs off. Right. Like, it didn't fucking matter. <sighs> anyway, so... You, civilian, you have nothing to do with this. Stop everything you're doing while we run away. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much what it felt like. And so, and also this manhole cover... Was it slightly ajar? It was. So that is how he found it. Yeah. Okay, because it was only barely discernibly slightly ajar. No, it, it was very much like Angel had a sixth sense that this was open, though. For the most like, part. It was slightly ajar, but it was not open enough to where, like, from across the fucking parking garage, you could be like, he must have gone in there. Yeah. But, you know, vampire senses, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll buy it, whatever. So we're down in the sewer. Kate's being dragged through the sewer by pen, and she's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and he says, well, first I thought I'd stop everything and tell you my plan. Hey, he read the Overlord handbook. He did. <laughs> I actually really appreciated this line. It's a nod to the old villain trope where yeah. that's exactly what he probably would have done. Yeah. But since this episode is somewhat about changing shit up a bit, 
he's going to stick with some other cliches instead. So, <laughs> uh, so he throws Kate around a little bit. And he does the obligatory sniffing her cheek and gives her a nice, ah, the fear makes the blood taste sweeter. And like, yeah. Oh, he's evil. Evil. <laughs> it's beyond those kittens in that little charming block garden. He's very evil. <laughs> so Angel saunters in like really bus full of school children. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you almost got me you this fucking guy right here uh, and then kate comes up with some holy water yeah maybe uh you should have used that earlier before he dragged you away to the sewers i wonder if you were to say i don't know whatever it is you say over holy water over water to make it holy water can you just say that and then spit on a vampire and your saliva is holy water? Well, I believe the holy water has to be blessed by a priest. Ugh. Well, what so if you're a priest? priests can spit on vampires and burn them. Neat. That's what my assumption is. That's now canon. Fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it, everybody. So Kate throws holy water in Penn's face. He gets all burny bubbly. Turns out... Penn does have some daddy issues, as he was accused yeah. of earlier that we didn't really cover. Because yeah. earlier, Angel was like, you've just been spending 200 years trying to stick it to your father or something. And Penn's whole bit is like, yes, and you know what? I've realized that you're my daddy. <laughs> and Angel, oh, my. Angel's li- I, lo- I love Angel's line. Uh, this is one of my quotes of the day. It's just so good. He says, oh, okay, fine. You're grounded and throws him on the ground. <laughs> it's a really good fight. It's a, it's a pretty decent fight. Yeah, no, I just, I loved, he's like, yeah, I do have daddy issues, but not my moral dad. <laughs> my vampire My vampire dad. dad. And I'm like, what a twist. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, they're fighting. You know fight. you want Angel to be your vampire daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your daddy? Angel! Ah. Just, uh... But no, it's a really good fight. They obviously did a good deal of choreographed work here. It goes all over the basement. There's even a couple spots where they do some acrobatic shit. It's a really good fight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Kate ends up finding a large stick. Yeah, uh, Kate gives Angel the big wood. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> he gets that hard not feeling right in his stomach <laughs> as she impales him Yeah, to also stake Penn in the heart. Now, a couple of things. One, it sh- it shows a close-up of this piece of wood. Yeah. And it's a very it's a very not sharp piece it of wood. It is so blunt. So I have a question. Are vampires weak against wood because wood through the heart specifically kills them or does wood through the heart specifically kill them because wood just cuts them easier like a knife through hot butter like is it just that much easier to stab uh vampires with wood than it is anything else because there's no way in hell kate is strong enough to take this basically just a two by four of wood with a rounded, soft, blunted edge, and stab it through two people. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Rex. <laughs> there is no good explanation for that. There is so much no good explanation for that that I didn't even write a plot hole emporium. <laughs> right? Like you can't. There's not even a good just joke. Like, there. Just stop, guys. Like the like, closest I can think of is from Dusk Till Dawn, 
where like halfway through the movie after their first round of killing vampires and they're just figuring out what the fuck is going on. Um, this one guy is like, you know, a normal man, it'd be really difficult to stab him even with a knife, but these vampires, they're, they're soft. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I get sometimes when you're making a show, plot holes happen. You have to move the plot forward, everything like that. How hard would it have been to just sharpen the goddamn thing to be like, Hey, why don't you step on it and snap off the tip or something? Right, Like the director didn't go, damn, that's not a very sharp piece of wood. Were they just not allowed to have a sharp piece of wood? That's when the safety person steps in and is like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have anything that sharp on set. It must be. Right. It must. The only reason I can think that they wouldn't have it sharp enough would be insurance purposes. (laughs) Basically, yeah. And also the only reason it doesn't kill Angel is because she stabs up through Angel's stomach instead of his through his chest, which is great because... It means she still loves him. Yeah. She didn't want to kill Angel, even though she threatened to earlier. And she had her chance to kill both of them. But she still impales him. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She gives him the big wood. I was like, man, (laughs) I know he's a vampire, but wouldn't his entrails, like, go... His entrails would become extrails. Yes. (laughs) It's like, clean that shit up, man. Pull yourself together. (laughs) And then we cut to the rooftop. The roof wrap-up. The roof wrap-up. Angel's being dark and broody. God (laughs) damn it, Cordy. Don't you see how fucking broody my roof is? And you know, Cordy does. I think she's she's very aware. Yeah, it's why she was drawn to it. Yeah. She's like, it's a very lovely broody roof. Yeah, and she comes to tell him. She's like, hey, look. You're up here being all sad and broody, and I just had a vision. That means you're a hero. Let's let's go be heroes. Yeah, pretty much. That <laughs> about sums <laughs> it up. Yeah, he's worried that he's still too much of Angelus as a part of him still because he enjoyed the murder dreams. And Cordy's like, you know, this is her quote where she yeah. says, it'd probably be okay if you never mention that part ever again. <laughs> but she made a great point here. She says her visions come addressed to Angel, not to Angelus. And the powers that be probably know the fucking difference. Yeah. Um, and blah, blah, blah. People change, but they can change back too. And this final exchange I thought was gold. Oh, it's, it wraps it right the fuck up. So Cordy says, people really do change. Angel responds, yes, they do. And sometimes they change back. If the day ever comes that I... Oh, I'll kill you dead. Thanks. What are friends for? (laughs) And you know what? This hits home for me too. Because, Josh, if I'm ever truly bad or a vegetable, kill me dead. Okay. (laughs) Those are my two ends of the spectrum. Kill me dead. Yes, sir. And like, if the zombie apocalypse comes and I turn into a zombie, kill me dead. Yeah, none of that Shaun of the Dead shit. That was a weird ending. I didn't like that. Fuck that. I love you, man, but I will not keep your undead zombie ass around just to play video games. Nor would I expect you to. Yeah. Like, I'm not having fun at that point. No. (laughs) I have enough hand problems as it is without necrotized flesh. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk give, in the give, 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 give. Hold on. You've got something here, huh? 
So how did you feel about this episode, Josh? I don't know. I was kind of on the fence about it. It was a horrible monster of the week. The only thing that I really liked about it was that we thought that Angel was killing people in his dreams. Yeah. And it was like, ooh, how is he doing it? And I was really disappointed with the solution. I appreciated that they kept the suspense a little longer than they normally would have. Yeah. But I was still not it's, satisfied. Yeah, they with definitely the, could have still done better. With the length of time that they held on to it, nor the solution. So I got to go with meh. I liked the potential of Penn. Right. Jeremy Renner is a good actor. Yeah. And there were quite a few moments here where there was such a great deal of potential for this character to be a truly terrifying bad guy. Mm-hmm. But not for one episode. Yeah, it really bothered me. He should have been the bad guy for at least a few episodes. Yeah. So we've got this new sire. Like, Angel sires are no fucking joke. Exactly. Because um, well, or- he drives them insane before he... He turns them into vampires. Yeah, or his fledglings, I mean, or yeah. whatever we're calling them. It, but exactly, and that's why Spike and Drusilla were so amazing, because they were children of Angel. And they, they could have and done jealous. way better with that. But no, they had to waste this idea and a good actor on a bad guy of the week. Yeah, Ugh. and it's not like he was like super big famous yet. No, no, definitely not. But he's, there's still some moments where it's like, no, he, this dude's going to go places. You can tell. And it felt weak. And the plot was way too flimsy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a bad time. I'm almost never having a bad time with this show. But objectively, it wasn't that good. No, no. So it, I think I'm on the same line as you. Eh. Meh. Meh. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I, I'm going to have to go with a Wesley line here, uh, just because it was very, it, it hit the right level of funny for me, mm-hmm. where he walks into an Angel Investigations like he's going to be a badass who really knows what's going on, and Penn grabs him by the throat right away. It encapsulates how much he thinks he's being a badass versus the reality of the situation, that, damn it, Wesley, you're out of your fucking depth here. <laughs> Which he's always really quick to accept. Yes. As well. Uh, Because he says, nothing on the streets about a new vampire in town. Which is maybe because he's here and he has me by the throat. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun moment, definitely. So yeah, that's my quote of the day. What's your quote of the day? I gotta go with the Cordy line. My quote of the day, Angel says, Cordelia, I think it's tight enough. (laughs) Cordy responds, and if it turns out we're back on the liquid lunch... Better safe than cocktails. Yeah. I almost chose that as well. I also actually almost chose the uh, sleep tight and then Angel's response of... Don't go anywhere. I don't know. I didn't write that one down. Um, That's pretty much guaranteed or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Because that's where the joke was. Yes. So this has been another episode of Ale with Angel. Don't forget to find us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. We try to be as active on there as possible. If you'd like to support our show financially and become an executive producer, go to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Join our Patreon. If you would like to own something with our logo on it, you can do that at store.beerwithbuffy.com. 
Which, if by the way, if you have happened to have purchased something from our store, it doesn't seem to be notifying us that people have purchased things. And I can't seem to track properly if people have purchased things. So if you've purchased something, let us know. We just like to see a picture of somebody wearing our merch. Yeah. As always, the number one way that you can help our show, though, is to go on iTunes and give us a review. Every time we get a review, it puts us up a little notch on the search results. It really does. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that via our email, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can call or text our voicemail number at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you very much to JJ Treadway for our fantabulous opening and transition music. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. <laughs> Definitely not enough chicken noises. I think there's plenty of chicken noises. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs>